was meant like when we uh, interviewed <laughs> as well. He was so candid. Yeah. 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 In the next day, he was <laughs> like, well, <laughs> uh, best if you don't <laughs> and That's <laughs> even like, it was funny. I was Hello and welcome to 76 Small Rooms, a podcast about architecture from Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm Jeremy Hansen and I'm here with Tash and Arch. Matt is away today, sadly. And in this episode of the podcast, we're talking to Patrick Reynolds and John Walsh, photographer Patrick Reynolds, writer John Walsh, the authors of the new book City House, Country House, about New Zealand architecture. I wasn't actually there, but how did you guys find it? Oh, it was fascinating to hear two um, perhaps seasoned professionals uh, talk about New Zealand architecture, talk about working together, and um, and talk about you know their responses to um, the homes that are uh, within the book. And in such a candid way as Patrick and John are <laughs> prone to do yes. with a glass of wine up at the NZIA <laughs> boardrooms, it was a it was a good discussion. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's dive right into that, and then we'll have a chat about what they said um, immediately after the interview. So we're here at the NZIA boardroom in Auckland with the sounds of the city around us, and we've got John Walsh and Patrick Reynolds, who have just released their book, City House, Country House. And for the benefit of those of you who don't know who these are, I wonder if you could introduce yourselves, tell us a bit about yourselves, and tell us about what City House and Country House is about. Um, Well, I'm Patrick Reynolds. I'm a photographer. So these are my contribution to the book, are photographs of the 40 houses that we have chosen. Um, so City House, Country House is an illustrated book, uh, a big sort of coffee table thing, and it's really the third in a series that John and I have collaborated on um, over the last uh, nine years, uh, really, and it's, it's a survey of residential New Zealand architecture. Uh, I'm John Walsh, and my day job is Communications Manager of the New Zealand Institute of Architects. And as Patrick said, this is the third in a series. It wasn't intended to be a series, but it's worked out that way. Of books on contemporary New Zealand residential architecture. All the work is by New Zealand architects. So in a sense, each of them is a snapshot of a particular moment in New Zealand architecture. And we try to present and analyse to some extent what New Zealand architects are doing and what their concerns are, and therefore, I guess, what their clients' tastes and appetites are at a moment in time. And that's probably what these books are. I mean, they are survey books in a sense. That is, and as I said before, they are acts of reportage. Yeah. So we are on the side of, of a range, don't we? It's not a. They are inclusive yeah. books. Yeah. Although some of the same dramatist personae do recur. Mm-hmm. What comes first, the work or the or the title? The word. Oh, title comes last because mm. in, in, a, in a sense a book like this the title has to become a sort of rubric under which mm. content fits and there is some sort of I guess allusion in the title to the title of the last book um, but it, it necessarily has to be whether we can keep that up an umbrella <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you put the two together as you know big house small house country house city house good start to a Dr Seuss book yeah. I know yeah. I was going to say it's pretty much Dr Seuss isn't it yeah, yeah. Don't we have enough books about pretty New Zealand houses? Yes, but we don't have much good writing about pretty New Zealand houses. <laughs> That's absolutely true. What an excellent yes. answer to that question. Yeah. So, and I should say that not all the writing was done by me. I, under press of time and circumstances, I got some help from writers that I've worked with over the years. I was an editor before. Um, I took my present job, I edited architecture magazines, and some of the people that worked with me and for me then have helped out and it's been really good actually so there is some diversity of voice although there's some 
the same editor has uh, you know come across the, the text at some point uh -huh. um, tenderly or more robustly so I think that was quite good so there are different there are a range of um, voices in that although I suppose the main voice is mine as author I think that we do try I think Patrick is the best architectural photographer in the country and he brings something to these books that a lot of similar books don't have I think Patrick I think you can sense in this book that Patrick knows how a building is put together he's had a long experience he comes from an architectural family he's hung out on this scene for a long time he spends a long time on his shoots so he does get really under the skin of these buildings I think there's another thing too because these books are normally put together by an editor and then photographs are collated from whoever has shot the buildings um, for generally for the architect so it is relatively unusual to have one photographer do them all, do them all. so you're getting whatever sensibility or skill they have you're getting it at least consistently applied to all these different buildings as opposed to that sort of patting it together approach mm. and, I, and I do think I mean and these books um, do incredibly well in the marketplace. Mm. I think I think for some that I think that shows through in some way. There's yeah. some advantage yeah. to that, even though it is a sort of slightly nutty business proposition for the publisher because that's um, rather than just get what's already around. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a more expensive way to make a book. Would they? I mean, they we had a lot of discretion. Really, they said. You know, we want a book, and then it's up to us to produce the book. Yep. And but what's good about working with Patrick is that now he does his thing, and I do mine, and we don't have to repeat the other's efforts. So a lot of these books, I think, and I, I can't, I haven't got the stomach for it anyway. I've no patience for marching through a house and saying, okay, now in this room this is happening, in this room this is happening. Yeah. So working with Patrick, a writer is relieved of that burden. You can see what's happening in the house, so you mm. can you can riff off the images or just you can totally write a different sort of way about it mm. it doesn't have to be pure description or you know mm. a, a mundane plod through a building you can write about its context or something about the the architect and where that yeah. person's yeah. in their career and i think that's really evident i think one of the um what, what i found really interesting is to see some names in there that we wouldn't uh, haven't perhaps uh, commonly been associated with private residential see uh, richard goldie's place in there see paul brown a couple of houses in there and particularly the write-up on paul brown's house that's an interesting piece of writing about the way that process happened with the client architect relationship the way it's a response to its site and there's many other examples through the book so there's a sort of uh, a different you say you've got the same um, the same personalities coming through frequently, but there is this there is this other range of characters coming through, which is really evident. Mm. I was keen to um, include some things like Paul because he's designing an awful lot of dwellings in Auckland. Absolutely, the absolutely. And then, and yeah. then I had no idea about it now. Yeah. And then I, I saw that, and I thought this is this is fantastic. This completely pulls the rug out from under everybody's idea of the architect's own home. Because we, John uh -huh. and I have done a book on. Architects' own houses uh -huh. called homework, which is a, of course, a particular problem for architects because it's um, we summed it up. I think at the end of that project is tending to be uh, overthought and underfunded. Is <laughs> <laughs> basically the you know general description of the architect's own dwelling, and and in in this in that case, um, it, it really wasn't his dwelling at all. The client was extremely assertive, and it's not. It's his wife's. It's his wife's house. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. And um, there, there's a sort of really nice story there about client um, architect uh, so interaction. Andrew Patterson, I believe, um, said that architects should never design their own houses like doctors. Right? They shouldn't. They shouldn't practice on themselves or their family. So there's quite a few architects in here. 
Um, are they all okay? They sort of. Yeah, they, um, they seem to be, and they seem to be still with their families, <laughs> pretty much. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't, Andrew. That, that's one of those rules that sounds great when you when you say it, but really, because it's a great line. It's, it's a great cute. line, but it's, 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 it's absolutely like when you push it, it's meaningless, right? Because architects have always wanted. So many architects have wanted to design their mm. own houses and have eagerly sought that opportunity. And there's all the old lines about why they do it. It's a chance to experiment, to try things out. I mean, there's just but a natural urge you? to do it. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? You can do it. Why we not? Want to shake the space yeah. where yeah, we're going to live in. I mean, it's, it's kind of absurd. It's inherent. Um, Although Rachel Rush is in there. She's architect with Klein and had mm. Dave Strawn do it. So I saw them speak yeah. recently. Yeah. Oh, I and thought that was extraordinary. And Dave Strawn was standing on stage, yeah. but Rachel was sort of interjecting from the floor. Yeah, and I can yeah. imagine that. Yeah, I mean, what we learned from the homework more than if we didn't already know it was that uh, great architecture requires more than a great architect, it requires a great client. Mm. And in fact, I'd, I almost go further and say that if you've, got a, if you've got a really great client and a competent architect, you'll get a good building. But if you can have a great architect Ooh. and a meddling mess of an idiot client, you're never going to get a good building. Mm. You know, because of the power of it. Mm. Mm. Some could say the same about photography. Yeah, I'm sure. I, no, absolutely. I, I can be ruined. By a bad client, yeah, yeah <laughs> they need yeah. training. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like how much, um, how much better are the photographs than the buildings? Is a is a is a, is a question that can be asked of mm. every mm. photograph of a building. Oh right? yeah, well, the camera always lies; otherwise, it wouldn't have a job. I mean, but it's often very complimentary in those lies. Well, my my view on this, and I've thought about it some length, is it is that I'm there to photograph the idea of the building, mm. and so what it wants to be, what it's mm. trying to be, and. Um, and I may I may misread that or something, but I'm not there to try to highlight um, unfortunate detailing or mm. <laughs> or clumsy tradesmanship. Mm. I mean, th there's a dream of the building. I, I mean, I actually seriously don't think a building is finished until it's photographed. Mm. It, I, because it, it, if we think of the building starting as a dream, and then it gets reduced to a, these two-dimensional things, plans and sections and elevations and things, and then it gets the dream gets further hammered by consenting authorities and budget and men with leather aprons. And then the, the photography and the writing, and the publishing in fact, is an attempt, it was a chance to take it back to the two-dimensional life where it can sort of live as poetry again. And then somebody in Germany who never visits the house is looking at a book or a magazine or a website. Mm. And they have to reimagine it. Mm. And it goes back yeah. to that pure sort of artistic form mm. in, in, the, in the, the dream of the architect. Mm. So as a, as a kind of idea or as an art practice, I think that that's where architecture completes the circle. Of course, it's still a practicality and a thing you have to open the door on and walk into. And mm -hmm. So that's it. But yeah, your work sort of realises the intent of the building. Well, that's my intention. Yeah. I hope yeah. that that's the case. I mean, it's interesting. When I look at my reactions, I think I've become much more tolerant um, as I do more writing about architecture. When I look back at some of the stuff I used to write when I was probably new to it, I was probably a bit snippy sometimes, and then you start to realise, well, it's quite we, hard. Even a bad building, a bad building is not a war crime, is it? It's, I mean, it's scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not on the scale of things. And I'm more interested probably in the story. Even if you go to a sort of building that's, oh, you know, so so, there's something, you know, the client, this, this, how it all happened, how how something got realised. I mean, it's it is an optimistic endeavour, isn't it? You're doing something. Something is produced at the end of this. Mm. Whatever the story is, mm. whatever conflicts going on before and difficulties with money or side mm. or client or councils I mean, this something emerges and that's quite something you know you, as you, I suppose you, you get older you realize that to get stuff done is often hard 
and oh, when stuff oh, is it's done, it's a miracle oh, yeah. that it yeah, happens yeah, at all. Yeah. And you know, as a commercial practitioner, you know, sometimes it's a miracle that it happens at all. I look forward to releasing our first seventy-six small rooms T-shirt with the slogan, "A bad building is not a war crime." <laughs> yeah, yeah. In stern Helvetic font, yeah, 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 with yeah. our logo, um, available at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think in Comic Sans actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's way better. Um, just, I just want to say about, like, for example, this photograph. Uh huh. And we're looking at the contents page. Mm. Yeah. Um, that. And which house is this? This is this is um, Pip Cheshire's Cooper House up in Mountain, uh, up at the Landing in yes, Auckland, the right. Bay of Islands. Now, Cross. I just want to say there's just one thing about that picture. That building wanted to frame that island. It's all, you know, that's the whole engine of that photograph. It wanted to have an island through it through an aperture. I mean, and that's the beginning and the end of it. Really. Yeah. Uh, anything, everything else is kind of yeah uh, extra. That, that's the sort of the ma- you know you just need to find that major move that it, it wants to do yeah it's like, it's like that you know Louis Kahn that great Louis Kahn line you know what does a brick want yeah when well, yeah. it wants to be an arch that, that, that's, yeah. that's what you've got to do you've just got to find what is the, what was the building straining for yes yeah. and those moments that you find where you sort of say there's this you're, tr- you're questing to find that that move that the building is all all about oftentimes that uh, the designer might be in complete agreement that you have seen their genius and other times these moves are presumably um, somewhat surprising or serendipitous serendipitous yeah. yeah and we miss probably yeah. or I certainly yeah. probably miss a lot of the moves you know so yeah. I mean, well, at least the moves that the designer perhaps thought yeah I mean and what another thing that interests me about these books is that yeah. the architects are amazingly tolerant I mean there's I think I spoke at this at the, about the launch and Patrick and I discussed it that there's no attempt at prior restraint you know they, it's a pretty much a vote of confidence we say okay we want to go and put your building in a book Patrick will take the photos I'll do the writing okay can we just sort out when we're going to go and some of the times I want to see Patrick's photos and buy them or whatever but, and, but they never say I demand to look at your copy or mm-hmm. you know because I think they realise that okay whatever I write they're not going to totally agree with of course they're going to think some things about their building but I mean it's we're not going to do it lightly this whole engine behind a book like this is not something it's not a frivolous exercise yeah, yeah. Um, one, of, one of the architects at the Oak he came up to me and said that he got the job because of a house in our last book and that the owners now having their house in this book does it up in a nice little bow and confirms their choice of him because it's now been right. published. <laughs> and we didn't know that. I mean, mm. you know, that wasn't, you know, that mm. wasn't, a, we weren't serving the architect by doing that at all. It was just a. a I think clients can see the difference between a magazine and a book too. Even mm. now, yeah. a book is still. Well, has they some throw them into your coffin with it. Heft. Last yeah. <laughs> Magazines are ephemeral. Much. It's the hard covers, isn't it, Patrick? Yeah, Being between the hard covers it's, makes it's, a difference. It's measured by One, the meter. Once a week, paper boy, apparently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 paper. We miss you, Jeremy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated in that, that leap. Because as architects, you, I look at that picture, I barely notice the island. Yeah, you had to point it out to me. You kind of, I find you're so close to buildings and construction mm. and... Um, and the building of things and the complexity of that, but you guys, you're right. You take that and turn it into something else. Um, it's another process, isn't it? Well, I have this little cute little line, which, as I say about one of any of any of these photographs, I'll say this is not a building. Mm. It's a photograph of a building. Mm. So, and, and John is a text about a building. Um, mm. it's, a, it's another thing. It's our mm. performance after a mm. performance. 
um, and of course they're dependent, dependent, but it, it is another medium and another another exercise. Yeah. Two of this one is it the Hove Whale House? Uh, Hovey. Hovey Whale House. Whale Bay. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think it's. Tell me about. Because I was sort of flicking through this. Going, oh, yeah, it's good New Zealand house. Well, this can't be in New Zealand. It's just, <laughs> well, it's, yeah, well, he's, well, he's actually he's a he's a he's a war baby. He, he's a his dad was a marine in the Second World War, and he's um and he grew up in, in Illinois, um and was taught by Meese. Um, Is that right? Yeah, and um he has only ever had one client in his entire life, um who is himself. He's an architect developer. Right. And yeah. this is his system. This is, and this is, this is his, a seven foot by seven foot grid system. Yep. Feet and um, inches. Feet and inches. Feet. Yeah. So oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah everything, right. Everything's imperial. And, it's and a, it's shipped out from Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. And, and bolted together on site. And I, I, I have my doubts about Cortin <laughs> by the sea, but well, um, we will see. I suppose. Yeah. I suppose yes. you can just ship out another one. Push the button, the print button again. Well, <laughs> it certainly up. works in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's yeah, it was yeah. dry. Yeah. It is nothing if not rigorously committed to the idea. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Wow. And the green floor. Yeah. That is something. Um. I find this might be a personal view. This is a personal view. I find many of the um, many of the architectural expressions in here to be very much of a family, quite a tight family. And there are a few houses that really stand out that are very, very striking, at least to me. And I'm sure actually all readers probably look at it as a collection in that same kind of way. This is certainly one of them. There's one in here that we, you know, I'd, I'd be um, curious to hear about just your impressions of it as a space, which is the wacky. Tom Craig Tower thing. Now that is a standalone piece. There's mm. nothing else in the book. In the book, yeah. you could make a guess who game out of this. And you, if you were a cladist and a fat person who sort of believes things are related in families, mm. you could group these houses together. Taxonomies. You could yeah. group these together in families. And the, these couple that stand out. The Tom Craig one is well. The, well, the Tom Craig the, is I think very the Japanese. Most, but most but interesting very, story about the Tom Craig one really is a planning story rather than yes. an architectural story, because. And, and it's a city story, and it's also a very Christchurch story. There was a little brick um, loo on that site that mm-hmm. that, didn't, uh, that needed to be demolished after the quakes, and the city council sold the site. Where is it? Merivale. It's in Merivale. Yeah. Findalton. Findalton. Um, the city council sold it, confident that it would n- never be anything other than two car parks uh-huh. at grade off street car parks, and this very interesting Irish guy, Irish Kiwi, bought it. And he was um, determined to do anything but two on yeah. grey car parks. And the council fought black and blue to stop him building on it, because that wasn't their conception, even though that entirely fits within all planning regs and the building envelope, right? As you can see, it's a building yes, envelope building. it right? is a building envelope building, right? Absolutely. And they they actually tried to stop him, because it wasn't the done thing. I mean, it's just... Because they didn't think of it first. Yeah. yeah. Well, they didn't think... They were confident that no one do that and of course he's kind of a bit mad I think he spent far uh, much more money than he'll get immediately as, as a return because it's let what well, the GFA is um, not very G <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yep. um, uh, but he he's, he's an interesting guy and he's got he, he dances to his own um, rhythm and uh, he's done it and I, I think it's as does Tom Craig a lot of fun mm. yeah so yeah. Tom 
is kind of a bit of an outsider architect in mm. a way. I mean, probably through his own choice. He stands a bit aside from the mainstream, just gets on with his own thing. I mean, he's had yep. had stints and big yep. practices, as you well know, Richard. Yep. Um, and he's done big buildings with those big practices. But now he just sort of gets on with his own thing. And he's slightly bloody-minded, I think. Um, and obstinate in quite a good way. And uh -huh. the client and he found each other. Mm. And I'm That's sure the council think they were just sticking two fingers up, you know, yep. to the locale. Or just one finger. Yes, I think, <laughs> it's, I think it is one finger. It's very much one finger. Yeah. Um, so having found yourselves unwittingly as these sort of biographers of New Zealand residential architecture over these three books, um, you must see an arc. You must see a trend. Or maybe there's a desire for us to ask as the soothsayers of this, what do you do? You see trends? Do you see things heading well, certainly answered that earlier, didn't we? But it's interesting when you look at this this stage of New Zealand architecture. You look at you know previous eras like modernism or in the mid-century, where there was this big concern about what is New Zealand architecture. I mean, yep. does anyone ever even think that anymore? Is, is, yeah. Do people bother with that? Is, is there any? It's like that thing where New Zealand went through in a whole lot of fields, like literature and film mm. and wine making and architecture. Exactly. You know, mm. what's the national expression of our culture of or whatever? Is, yeah, yeah. And is this you know? So, as architecture got to be the built expression of us of a particular version of us mm -hmm. and I think if you look at these things now I mean obviously there are sort of things that are parameters there are materials that you can use there are you know laws that you have to follow regulations mm -hmm. that you have mm -hmm. to observe etc um, but apart from that I mean I don't think there's any concern really I mean there's probably more a focus on place particular particular context rather than the, the broader thing about having to say something big about us which can be crippling in New Zealand I mean if you look at the Venice Biennale exhibitions that we've run you know like we've done two of them now and when you haven't done those much we hadn't done them before there's enormous pressure on the world stage to say something definitive about yes. who you are and countries that have been around a lot longer don't, don't feel do that, that need to because be they, so just, they just look at some issue some little problem or something and say uh -huh. okay this is just us and this is just a few people looking at this thing uh -huh. we don't have to put you know the whole national best foot forward all the time we'll say the encyclopedia Cultural anxiety so and I mean in Venice I think we were the first exhibition was a bit like that encouraged by cool houses you know brief to look at a hundred years of modernity so we had to sort of say you know what made us different over mm. the last century and the last Venice Biennale was sort of getting out of that way of looking at our history or looking at, at our architecture and so there are other reasons why we do what we do at Venice or did what we did but I think part of it is this um, yeah, it's to do, and you know, the usual questions of our scale, our isolation, us, you know, our history. Um. But we certainly don't go out searching for a national architecture in this at all. Mm. I think that would be a false lens to put over it. Um, we, we're just looking for good performance. Yeah. Good, good design response. I mean, the, the landscape, both urban and, and suburban and rural, is it's a very powerful factor, and it's there. It's mm. just there, yeah. and the climate. Mm. Um, is there in the in the building, and I, we don't we don't feel a really heavy need to 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 point to it with fluorescent arrows, you know, like that. That's a kind of subject that will come up through it. Mm. <laughs> so thanks very much for talking to us today, guys, and um, all the best with City House, Country House. Where can um, where can our keen listeners obtain a copy of the book? Well, if you'd like to make your plug now. All good bookshops. Just all available in all good bookstores. Bookshops like Unity, Book Paper Plus. Yeah. Um, 
Where else are you um, get it? You know, Women's Bookshop, Dear Reader, Time Out. Oh, um, Online? Um, that great one in Nelson. What's that called? Um, and probably Scorpio Books and Christchurch. And Christchurch. Um, I can't think of the Elder Bookshop. But Hook. online. I'm sure you can get it. Yep. yep. I'm sure you can get it. Well, all the best. It's absolutely... Um, and it's yeah, absolutely every bookshop in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. Um, and thanks very much for coming in to talk to us today. You're welcome. I'll appreciate it. So that was John Walsh and Patrick Reynolds, the authors of the new book, City House, Country House, about New Zealand architecture. So architects in the room with me, Tash and Arch, what do you think this book says about New Zealand architecture? It's quite different to New New Zealand Houses, the first book that they mm-hmm. created together. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about how New New Zealand Houses is very much, in my memory, glamorous pavilions and landscapes, whereas City House Country House, seven or eight years later, seems to show a greater diversity of New Zealand building styles. I think that's a fair comment Um, and I think what's interesting even between uh, this book and the last book, uh, Big House, Small House, um, there's there's been quite an evolution in the type of um, buildings being presented, perhaps in response to some of the the other changes that have happened in New Zealand um, over that time. I mean most of the houses in the last book would have been um, uh, planned if not built before the Christchurch earthquakes and so we've seen quite a, a big shift in terms of the regulatory environment but also building costs have changed hugely in that time particularly in the cities mm. so I think um, yeah we're seeing uh, those sorts of influences um, in the in the buildings. Yeah I mean I'm personally much more interested in the city house than the country house and when you look at and we've got both we've got city house country house and big house small house here we don't have the first one but I'd agree that when you look at them in that kind of trend and that trajectory they're heading towards that. The the, the um, you know we talked about the Tom Craig house and I'm not sure mm-hmm. that everyone shared my enthusiasm for it but um, I think there's huge discipline in those tighter sites and those smaller things. I'm always much more interested in watching someone draw on a grain of rice than I am with a big paintbrush on a giant canvas. I think there's heaps of cool discipline and ingenuity and constraint in those tighter site solutions. And those are some of the kind of standout projects. Yeah, for me too. I mean, the the, um, city houses in the latest book are perhaps much more urbane than than in the previous box and I I'm really enjoying the um, range of responses that we're seeing to these um, tighter constraints whether they be planning or budgetary it may be just me but I used to kind of you know fantasize about a beautifully architecturally designed home in a wilderness but as I get older I find that kind of thing less and less appealing I'd, I'd much rather live in a tighter city place because mm. my own personal realization I guess is that the way I want to live is to be part of something larger not out isolated in a place where you're slightly disconnected I suppose Mm. not everybody would agree with me but do you feel the same way about your ultimate aspirations for living in a place oh for me personally yeah yeah absolutely and I'm I'm interested in that economy of space you know and how you can play with perhaps a small uh, footprint but make it feel really generous and what what are the kind of the how do you distill a space down into the the bare essentials and yet still have it feel homely so yeah I, I quite agree I don't know I mean I grew up in the wilderness I wasn't quite raised by wolves but I grew up in like a lot of wide open space <laughs> yeah me too and I think I always I think I'll always have that kind of longing but what I know right now is I just I think this come I really love living in the city and I think 
probably getting a taste of that from going overseas, living in Japan initially, that first taste of a big city, um, I think has fostered that. So I think fundamentally, yeah, I agree. I love it right now. And the attraction for all of the reasons you're talking about, that that economy and that density. Mm. But I think it also comes from just... I think some of this comes from the fact that as a city, and much of the work here is in Auckland, as a city it's becoming more desirable. There's more pull and there's therefore more clients and more briefs that are actually starting to be generated to swing the work towards city house from country house. It's also a roaring property market and I wanted to ask Mm. both you architects about that. I have a friend who's an architect in Hawke's Bay and he said getting somebody to build a new house in Hawke's Bay is a really difficult proposition as an architect because building costs are still high. Yeah. But an expensive house in Hawke's Bay is often, you know, $600,000. Yeah. And if somebody wants four bedrooms and a study um, and an architect to design a home for them at that budget, it can be pretty difficult yeah. to achieve. Mm. Auckland people might think they're going to get their money back on that, but it becomes difficult outside the bigger centres. Do you think that's a problem for architecture in New Zealand in general? Mm, tough question. Um, I don't know. I can't really speak for what's happening outside of Auckland. I mean, I think that that um, the cost of building is having an effect on on architecture, certainly. But I think in the city, perhaps those smaller responses um, that are very well considered still have a place, whereas perhaps outside of Auckland, those sorts of projects don't exist to the same extent. Yeah, we should have this conversation mm. with a regional architect because, mm. you know, I'm, I'm not like Tasha, I'm not well placed to kind of comment on those sort of things. But I think it's a really, you know, it'd be a really good question and be really good to actually extend the commentary out into into this friend of yours in other regions. To yeah. I guess that. it also relates to Auckland that people are often doing this equation where can they afford architecture or can they mm. get a cheap draftsperson to um, do it and they then can add an extra bedroom mm. and yes. people are actually doing those sums sometimes of course aren't they? yeah yeah all the time mm. you know and I mean I think also increasingly um, if you're operating in central Auckland it's often additions and alterations as opposed to a new house and I mean you know there is kind of an economic difference there too um, yeah it's a, it's a really really tricky one so any sweepstakes on what the fourth book could be called? <laughs> <laughs> Sleepy house, wakey house? <laughs> I'd like to see one of apartments only, but yeah. I don't yeah. know if the market's going to generate that in time for them to do another one, but there are a lot um, under development at the moment that are quite encouraging. I reckon we're yeah. nearly there. I reckon, you know, I'd love to think that the next one could be that. Mm. I reckon mm. we're almost there. Um, I probably the standout that I this one of the comments that really kind of stuck with me was that uh, Patrick talking about the building not being finished until it was photographed. I wonder. Oh, what I, your thought reaction that, I thought to that, that was quite fascinating. I mean, because the building does become quite a different thing when you you um, take an image of it. I mean, just as a in the same way that the plan and the you know the architectural drawings of a house are a different thing from the built mm. form. So yeah, that idea of bringing it full circle, I was quite intrigued by that too. Mm. I've experienced this when I was editing home. It used to be really interesting because you will know from being architects Mm. that there's a lot of stuff that doesn't quite get done at the end of the building process because people move in and they're exhausted and they're out of money Mm. and you know the, the, the little things don't happen. And when I used to commission a photo shoot, often the owners would be incredibly grateful. So just that, thank you, we just need a deadline to get all this little stuff done. And they would and then for them seeing the photographs mark the completion of the project too because often the house would never be that tidy again or you know um it just made them really feel like it was complete and moved in because otherwise it feels like this kind of endless evolution i think yeah yeah so there is a i think photography architectural photography 
performs a really great service in that sense. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's still no proxy for being in the space, but that is a different thing. So to kind of project an image of this, of the the house, the, an impression of it um, that encapsulates perhaps the the kind of key ideas. Yeah, I think that's a really valid thing. Mm, it's never perfect, but it's sometimes the only proxy yeah. we have, I guess, which yeah. is why books like this are so important. Oh yeah. Mm. And so, in conclusion, we're going to get our um, we're going to get our t-shirts out next year. A bad building's not a war crime. <laughs> in Comic Sans, yeah. we need to open a merch wing. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. So yeah, thanks everyone um, for the support this year. Um, have a really great Christmas. Um, we're, we're sitting here now, knowing we're going to get this episode out over Christmas. So um, have a good break. Thanks very much for listening. And um, seventy six small rooms team will see you in the new year. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.